Good morning. It's so good to see you. Welcome to the well. Uh, excited for the summer. It's great to be with you this morning. And uh, it is great to be uh, just back together kicking off this uh, incredible uh, new series that we're going to kick off today. Um, I just want to say how beautiful uh, it is um, for Emily just to hear your story and uh, for you just to take a step um, today of bravery just to stand up here and uh, to tell us your life. And um, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And uh, man, what a blessing. I, I, I just want to just echo what Josh said, that um, if you are somebody who has never given a public profession uh, Jesus calls us into this as a command. He says uh, that there's something special that happens when we declare uh, before our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's not even just in you. It's in the people out here to see life change and to hear life's story. And so, um, man, just thank you for that. And uh, if you want to get baptized, we have another, uh, another gathering right after this. So we would love to, to do that with you. Um, we are in a new series today. I'm going to get used to this, how loud this is today, because I'm not used to this mic thing here. But um, we are in a new series today. Uh, it's called Summer Psalm. And we are entering uh, into the Psalms because um, we, uh, as a leadership team this summer, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but we, we are very intentional with every single thing we do. If you ever wonder why we do things the way we do it, I promise you, it has been thought through and thought through over and over. Huli's up here laughing because she's like, she knows me. We think through it up and down, left and right. We look in Scripture, um, and we see um, what, we, what we believe that the Scriptures call us to do. But we also, as a leadership team, we pray quite a bit about um, not just standing up here and just arbitrarily deciding we're going to go into the Psalms this summer. That sounds great. I love the Psalms. Let's go to the Psalms. Uh, we wanted to this summer actually um, ask God and ask him, like, what, what do our people need here? The people that call this home, what is it that they need to hear? And so, man, we, we every single week get to walk through your prayer request. Um, and, and we've been walking through them over the course of the year. And we were looking back over them. I mean, just to see what's been happening in this body over the course of a year. I mean, if you, if you are part of this family, you know there have been deaths. There have been um, depression, anxiety, people walking through, losing jobs and struggles and hardships. Uh, there are people in here today that are carrying what they feel like is the weight of the world on their shoulders. And somebody may have walked in here today because they're looking to hear just a piece of hope. And I want you to know that God sees you this morning and that you are not forgotten by him. And you may have heard those words before, but I want you to know that maybe you're just here today because God's spirit drew you into this place today. And we hear the weight of it. We have lost babies in this place this year. We've walked through sickness and depression, and some of us just feel spiritual attack in general. Man, I'll just speak for myself. The last four months have felt like this whirlwind of um, just like frustration in a lot of ways, like in my own flesh just battling a lot of things. And I just see that like uh, there's just a heavy weight sometimes, but at the same time, there are a lot of joys and there are a lot of celebrations. I mean, y'all be getting married like crazy. That's like the bachelor on steroids. It's just every single week there's somebody new getting married. And, and then the following part of that is y'all be popping out kids the next like nine months. So uh, we have to hire a new children's director, praise God, because we don't have any room anymore and somebody to take care of all these kids. So uh, new homes, new houses, dreams fulfilled, celebrations. And so there's just like these high highs and there's these low lows. There are these, these, these seasons, there's these mountains, there's these valleys. And then the question is, like, how do I live in between? 
Like, how do I stand in the middle of the days where I feel like I am standing on the mountaintop? And by the way, mountaintops are great, but a lot of things don't grow above a certain alpine level. You ever go to a, you go to a, a place in Colorado, you ever go above the tree level, tree line, the air stops right there. You stop breathing a little bit there. You stop growing at the heights. If you just stay at the heights, God's got to take you a little low sometimes. But then at the other part of that, when you're a little low and you're struggling in the depths a little bit, you're like, God, I just am begging you to pull me out. But then nobody really talks about the in-between. And so we just ask the Lord, like, how do we speak about these emotions and these things that are going on in our lives? And we felt like God said, go to the book of Psalms. And you, and, and you can see this, when you look at the book of Psalms, when you walk through the book of Psalms, you see this vast array of emotion. You see, I'm telling you, you, if you just read through the 150 Psalms that are there, and you read through these Psalms, they're written by people like David and Solomon and Moses. They're written over the course of a thousand years. They're written in a place uh, talking about the life of Israel and talking about the writers and, and specifically what was going on in the life of the writers as they're watching what God is doing, watching what's happening in their country. And they're seeing that, man, like, Lord, where are you? As they cry out. And Lord, you're amazing. And you see this just amazing, vast array of emotions. You see, the Psalms show us the depth of human struggle and triumph while helping us see that God is at the center of it all. There are two, y'all okay we do a little Bible study just real quick. We do a little background study before we hop into a psalm today. We're gonna be walking a psalm every week and we're gonna be talking about the emotions in our life and how to navigate and how to journey through them. But I want you to know just a little bit of, of the background here. There are two kinds of psalms. If you were to start today and you read a psalm for the next 150 days, you will see that towards the beginning there are a heavy laden, these kind of heavy psalms that are about kind of the depths of despair, and they're called lament psalms. Lament psalms, that they'll put up here on the screen for you to see, they express pain and confusion and anger. It's beginning to walk through about how horrible things are in the world at times, how things are happening to this poet. They draw attention to what's wrong in the world. I think everybody in here could write a lament psalm a little bit right now. You could talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. God, where are you? And he begins to ask the Lord, where are you in the middle of it? And ask God, can you do something about it? Can you do something about it? You hear them cry out all the time. They teach us, listen, don't miss this. They teach us that it is okay and that it is possible to walk with God through suffering. And that there is a healthy way to do that. It's, it's an amazing, beautiful example. There are praise psalms. The second category is praise psalms. Uh, these are poems and songs of joy and celebration. It's elation. We, we read it today here before we started. Shout to God with joy and praise. And they draw attention to what is good going on in the world. Hello, it is so much easier sometimes to see the crack than it is to see the light in the crack. It is so much easier easier sometimes to see the negative things. We are prone to focus on the negative, and God calls us with these songs of joy to force ourselves into a place of seeing the good that is happening in our lives. When's the last time you wrote down all of the things going on in your life and your world that you are thankful for with God? When's the last time that you detailed out all of the ways God this past year has taken care of your life, that he has pulled you through the things, that, you know, I journal and, I, and I'm telling you, if y'all ever found my journals, y'all probably fire me from this position. Don't be coming in my house. My, my roommates are back over there. Stay out of my room, all right? Because if you read my journals, you would see the depth of frustration and difficulty, but you'd also see how the Lord began to draw and pull things out and, and the, the kind of the rejoicing 
and the deliverance that God brings. These are the Psalms. I love it because you see the shift oftentimes from lament to praise. If you ever read King David in some of these Psalms, the man's like a schizophrenic emotional mess. You're like, I relate to that, amen? I get it. One moment, where the heck are you? The next moment, God's good. It's all in the same Psalm. And you're like, what is going on with this dude? How is that possible? Because God shows us it's possible. It's possible to praise him both and worship him both in the valleys and in the mountains. I want you to see this real quick. I'm just going to read to you 24 quick examples. You're like, that's not quick. It's going to go quick, okay? Stick with me here. I want you to see the array of emotion here. Christians love the Psalms. We love them because you can find yourself at any moment in the Psalms. Check this out. I want you to see this. Loneliness. I am lonely and afflicted. Love, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Awe, let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe. Sorrow, my life is filled with sorrow. Regret, I'm sorry for my sin. Contrition, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Discouragement and turmoil, why are you downcast, O my soul? Shame, shame has covered my face. Exaltation. In your salvation, how greatly he exalts. Marveling, the Lord is doing. It is a marvelous in our eyes. Delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Joy, you have put more joy in my heart than, than they have when their grain and their wine abound. Gladness, I'll be glad and exalt in you. Fear, serve the Lord with fear. Anger, be angry and don't sin. Peace, in peace I will lie down and sleep. Grief, my eye wastes away because of grief. Hope. Desire, brokenheartedness, gratitude, zeal, pain, confidence. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. John Piper says it this way. I love it. He says, the Psalms, more intentionally than any book in the entire Bible, are designed to carry, express, and shape our emotions. Give into them, all of them, and shape them. They're designed to rein them in and to free them up and to explode them and kill them where they should be killed. It is an amazing gift to the church. This book is amazing. It is an incredible work of art. It is an incredible work of art, and it is an incredible piece of theological supernatural giving from God to minister to your soul wherever you are at today. Man, my greatest encouragement as one of your pastors is I, I just dare you to read one a day for the next 150 days. Just put it, put it on, on your way to work and just listen to a psalm. Start with number one, delighting in the Lord and just walk your way through. You will be like, dude, first of all, it's really heavy hearted at the beginning, but it shifts to joy, 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 celebration more and more. We're gonna be in today, Psalm 95. And if you need a Bible uh, today, uh, our ushers are about to come forward. Just raise your hand and throw it up. Uh, but also, just so you know, you can plug it in uh, to your version. Uh, you can open up your version Bible app, or you can plug it in uh, to your browser by putting this link right here into your browser. But we're going to be in Psalm 95 today, and here's what I want you to hear today. The subject matter of all psalms is worship. The point and the end of every single psalm is to draw us in to worship. Let me give you this definition here. Worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in a way that engages your entire being. This is Tim Keller's uh, definition. Tim is a pastor up in New York City. He says this again. Worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something 
in a way that it engages your entire being. What does that mean, your entire being? We'll get to that in one second. But the idea of worshiping, it is found in every single psalm. The idea of the psalms is worship God. Turn to him in any situation. If your night is hard, if it's dark at night, turn to God. If it's light and you're in a great day, turn to God. If you're struggling, turn to God. If you are on joy, turn to God and worship him. If we're in the dark, we should worship. Light, we should worship. In every moment, we should worship. The apostle Paul says it this way, Philippians 4.4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts. You know, the book of Psalms is so much about worship and so much about praise. The last words of the book of Psalms says, praise the Lord. You know, what is it so interesting? We're going to talk about this today. But when you walk in here and we're like, hey, let's praise God today. Sometimes, what is it that happens in you when a pastor says that? You're like, oh, man, this hype man's up there again. Man, they got Josh up. He's the number one hype man in this church. You know he's going to tell me to praise God today. What is it in us that maybe, is there something in you when it says, when it declares, by the way, it's a, it's, I want to say this as pastorally and kind as possible, it's actually a command to praise the Lord. What is it in us that wants to go, uh, maybe not today. Maybe that's not going to happen. You see, as you read the Psalms and you read the emotions in the Psalms, you see that the dominant message throughout the entirety of the Psalms is that God is good. And that life is really difficult. <laughs> no amens to that one, huh? God is good. Life is so good. Life is difficult. And in the midst of it all, worship him, God demands. Praise him. You know, I came to faith. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, I have this kind of like, I'll be honest with you, just transparency hour. Please don't email me. I'm trying to work through this. I have a really difficulty with like churchy things sometimes. You know what I mean by that? Like language that's outdated and worn or people who say things that they're, you know, in ways that kind of just has, it's kind of a little bit worn. You know what I mean by that when I, when I say that? Um, I, I, I'm in this place where um, I didn't grow up in the church and I had a, a deep frustration with the church, to be honest with you, because, uh, man, I, I had this crazy moment when I was in middle school where someone kind of forced me to walk down this aisle and raise my hand up and say that I love God. And there, everybody got really excited, and it was great, but I didn't know what the heck was going on. And I remember, like, thinking, okay, well, I'm a Christian. I'm following him. But then nobody ever said to me that, like, hey, life's going to get difficult after this. Uh, nobody ever read that in Scripture it says that we're going to suffer. You're like, Nick, this is not the best way to start a sermon off today. You're like, oh, amen, everybody. We're going to suffer. I can't wait to suffer. No one ever told me that Jesus says in Scripture that in this world, and he said to his last words to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome this world. That your life is not here in this world. Jesus said, I've overcome this world. I've overcome that. I'm going to be with you always, he says to them as he's walking out. But he says, you're going to have trouble. And this is the Psalms that God is good. Life is difficult. How can we start to worship him in the middle of that? The question I have to ask you today is this. Can you find yourself saying, I will worship God at all times. I will tell myself and my soul, today I'm going to worship you, God. It, I don't feel like it. Let me just tell you something today. The world is not turning on just how you feel today. The world is turning on a foundation of truth. 
And God is good, and life is difficult, and in a world today where everybody says our feelings are prime and supreme, that's not always true. I'm not negating your feelings today. Let me tell you something. God made emotion, and usually we have two different sort of spaces here that we want to walk in. Some of us go, I just want to cut off all emotion. I'm not going to get emotion today. You know, I get into church today, and we're just, you know, this is about all where I'm getting that okay? Maybe you don't even see this hand. I got one in my pocket, you know? Lannis Morris said, I got one hand in my pocket, and the other one is chilling in praise or something. I don't know. Maybe you are like, that's it. That's all I'm doing. These people are crazy. That man Josh on stage is loud. What is going on? I don't know why I give two shout outs to Josh for being loud. Josh, I love you. You are amazing. But Maybe you're like, I don't want emotion. I want to deal with that. There's been too many emotional people in my life, and they've hurt me. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, like my sister down here that I love to death. She's laughing hysterically. Huli, who, hello, everything, everything is about how good God is. And she always texts us every single week as a staff, guys, God is so good. <laughs> Anybody in here got that text message from Huli? Anybody in here got that text message? I love it because my sister sees with deep emotion, but she's got to know, and she knows this, where she's got to know that that's not always supreme, right? And so we can't worship our emotions, but we can't cut it out completely. We got to learn how to walk with it well. And I want to look today in wholeness here at Psalms, at these emotional poems, these, these, these songs that are written, and I want to look specifically at the Psalm 95 that talks to us about the essence of these Psalms, worship. And I want to talk about what is worship, why should we worship, and how do we worship. Y'all check it out. Let's look right here. It's Psalm 95. There are three calls to worship for us. And I just want to remind you again of this definition. The definition of worship that we're going to use today is worship is the act of ascribing, of assigning ultimate value to something, to something. Assigning value to something that in a way engages your entire being. What do I mean by that? Your entire being. I mean your mind. I mean your heart, your emotions, your mind, your rationalization, your intellect. I mean your emotions. And I mean your hands, the way your will, what you go and do. It's a better way of saying that you can maybe remember it is your head, your heart, and your hands. Worship engages all three of those things. And without all three of them, you are not worshiping. Now, here's the trick, and you're going to see this in a second. We worship a lot of things with our mind, with our heart, and with our hands, with our head, our heart, and hands. Psalm 95, there's three calls to worship. Let's look at the first one. The first call is a worship to worship God with our emotions. Verse 1, oh, come. Okay, let's stop right there. Oh, come. It's an invitation today. Every single morning you wake up is an invitation to come before God. God says it three, four times in this psalm, come today. In Latin, it's the word venite. He's saying come, he's inviting you in today. He's offering you an invitation this morning, come before me. Um, this is the interesting thing. If you, um, uh, any Boston Red Sox fans in here? Ooh, got a little boo here, but then not sure, one right there. Okay, if I was in Boston and I was going to Fenway Park, if you've ever been to Fenway Park, and I said out loud, sweet Caroline. <laughs> Y'all didn't want 
If I was going to Fenway Park today and I was going to yell that out loud to somebody, I said, sweet Caroline, bop, 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 they would respond, good times never seem so good, so good, so good, so good. Do you know that Catholic priests, this is so interesting, Catholic priests every single day read this psalm. They read it when they wake up in the morning, and if you went to them and you said to them, oh, come, let us sing, they would respond back to you, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Test it. Try it. I don't know when you're going to hang out with a Catholic priest. If you do sometime, they're pretty cool. They're all right. Check it out. When you say that to them and you shout that out to them, if you were to shout the same way, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. That's how they would respond. This is that important, this, this invitation every day, and they want to walk into this invitation every day. It says this, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Listen to this words here, sing, shout, extol, joy, all these musical tones. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. It's this, this emotive feeling that's going on here. It's this emotion here. This word joyful noise literally translates in the Greek to shout. Shout to the Lord the God of our salvation. Somebody, I know it's 2019, and when someone starts shouting, things get a little weird. You're like, I'm out. I'm out. All right? If someone's shouting, there's something wrong going. Are you comfortable today if in this church people start shouting praises to God? Are you? Because you know what? Uh, the world doesn't sit on American Christianity. Across the world today are shouting. They're dressing in garb of a beautiful uh, colors and beads and they are worshiping with their whole body up and down aisles screaming and shouting hands aren't just here they're not just one hand there's not just two hands God is deserving to be shouted at with joys of praise he is deserving of this and that's hard for us man I just get real with you one of the hardest things for me is how simple we get towards this we look at these churches and we go oh they're just that's just hype that's what we say and as Christians sometimes we devour ourselves from within and we say, that's just hype. It's just, they're just, this, you know, that's just emotion. They're just trying to manipulate. Are they? Or maybe possibly people are responding to what God has done. You know, you go to DKR down the road, Sysgrads. You go to College Station. What's y'all stadium's name? Kyle Field. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Easy. All right. Jeez. Only been one time, all right? I gave you a shout out, all right? 104,000 strong. Y'all be moving left and right, left and right, all over the place. And then you come to church on Sunday morning, and it's like, praise the name of the Lord our God. Not Aggies, all of us. <laughs> all of us. You ever been to a soccer game overseas? Where are my soccer fans at? Those people will be worshiping something with their whole body. They're going crazy overseas, am I right? You see, you can go to a symphony. We got Hamilton downtown right now over at the Bass Theater. You stand up at the end of Hamilton and you're clapping and cheering and amazing. That was amazing. It's human nature to clap. It's human nature to cheer. God built us this way. He built us to celebrate. You know, it doesn't matter. What is your thing? What is the thing that you celebrate easily and you shout with joy? God's just calling you to go, why don't you shout me that way? Why don't you stand here today and shout me that way? You see, because I think the greatest thing is, is that Jesus Christ lives inside of you, Christian. That God has called you out of the grave. That he's walking on top of the grave today in victory. And that he lives inside of you and he's speaking to your heart and your soul and your mind. And he loves you. 
And that is worthy, that freedom that he offers us is worthy of our praise. There's a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, he says, the people of God have always been a bit noisy. You know, he says in that English accent, the people of God have always been a bit noisy. You know, it's a little nicer than me, but they're noisy. We're noisy. Number two, we see that we worship not just with our emotions, but we worship with our minds. Just look, verse three, for the Lord is a great God. Anytime you see the word for there, just circle it. That's a why statement. Why? Why do we come and sing to the Lord? Why do we make a joyful noise? Why do we come into his presence with thanksgiving? Because for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. What is it like to hold the heights of the mountain, to hold the depths of the earth? Who could do that? You want to make yourself feel a little bit insignificant in a good way? Just spend a little time in the last three chapters of Job this summer. Here's a man who lost everything. He lost his wife. She walked away. His kids were killed. He was deeply sick, lost his business, lost his farm, lost everything he had, and he could stand still and say before God, yet I will praise you. Though you slay me, I will praise you. You give and you take away, and I will praise you. And then he stands at the very end of that, and he worships God. You see, he talks in those last three chapters to God. And God writes back to him and says, do you know what it was like to pour out the oceans, to place the sand one by one? Do you know what it's like to be that God? This is what the writer is doing, for God is the Lord as a great God, a great king above all gods. His hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his. He made it. His hands are formed, formed the dry land. Oh, the writer is giving you theology. He's telling you about who God is, why he's important, why he matters. He's inciting your mind. He's trying to stir your mind to think a little bit. Who made this earth? When's the last time you walked outside, looked in the sky, and said, who colored it blue? You see, this is the thing. Uh, John Piper, by the way, has a great quote. It's one of my favorites. He says, nobody goes to the Grand Canyon looks at the Grand Canyon and goes, I'm awesome, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm amazing. That whole Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm, you know? <laughs> Nobody does that. You go to the Grand Canyon and you feel a good insignificance because you see who made this thing? Who put this together? And this is what the psalm writer is calling us to do, not just to shout with joy and emotion, but to begin to incite in our intellect and our mind and to think on things. You see, this is what happens. You can come to worship today, and you can engage your emotions. You can come in here today and sing at the top of your lungs and shout with joy. But when you, don't, when you stop utilizing your mind, and you, stop, you, you don't even know the words that you're reading on the screen when you're singing, you ever, you ever do that? You come and you start singing, and it's like, I know the words. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. And you just are just saying them, but you're not thinking about what you're saying. You're not engaging the mind that God gave you. It's like I was singing a song the other day in the car. Y'all know that Robin Thicke song? Y'all shouldn't know it, but y'all, it's a baby, I'm going down, baby, I'm going blind. And I'm listening to that song. Y'all know what I'm talking about, Blurred Lines. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's all over the radio. I'm singing this song, and I don't even realize what I'm saying. We do that in church. We come in here, we don't read the words. We don't break us apart. 
We don't engage our mind and focus in and see it. And you can come in here and you can sing at the top of your lungs and hype and get excited. And I can be, by the way, the greatest hype man in the world. And that's all I am. I am at the most a motivator. Unless the Holy Spirit of God moves in power, we got nothing here today. But I can do that. But if you come in here and you just sing and and it's emotional, but you don't care what the words say or you don't kind of feed your mind a little bit and you don't study the scriptures and memorize the scriptures and get yourself into the scriptures, you know what's going to happen. You're going to walk out there. A storm's going to come and you're going to get blown over real quick. You're going to break real easily because the foundation of your worship stands alone on emotion. And God and God through the psalmist is saying, let it stand also on your intellect. Worship me with your mind. I want to tell you just a great story real quick, an example of what worship is. Worship, worship is, uh, I'll say it this way. In 2007, there was a uh, a man named Michael Sparks, not Tony Sparks, Michael Sparks, okay? Michael Sparks uh, was a music technician, and he was in Nashville, Tennessee, and he was bargain shopping one day in a thrift shop when he came across a yellow kind of shekeled, rolled up piece of parchment, And he looked at it, and he thought, man, I want this. This looks really cool. This is amazing. So he picks this thing up, and he goes to the clerk, and he asks him, how much does this cost? And the clerk says, it's $2.48. It's yours. He's like, oh, man, steal. I'll take it. He takes the $2.48 piece of parchment. Uh, He holds on to this document. He rolls it up, puts it inside of his closet when he gets home. And for a time being, it sits there until he's moving out and cleaning things out. When he's moving things out, his friend sees it, and his friend looks at him and says, hey, I think you should go get this thing appraised. I think this is more than than what you think it is. So they take it to the appraiser. They go to Rainer's Historical Collection auction, and they take it to appraiser. And, you know, like Antique Roadshow, if you ever watch PBS or something, they look at this thing, and they start to begin to appraise this thing. And the appraiser is looking at this piece of paper, and to his astonishment, he starts to shake. And he can't believe what he's holding in his hands. And his brow starts to sweat and he looks up at the man and he says, do you know what you're holding on to? You see, Mr. Sparks, for $2.48, bought the Declaration of Independence. One of 200 copies that were commissioned by John Quincy Adams. And this thing was sitting in his closet. And he realized as he walked away that day, what he had was more valuable than anything he owed, owned. And he left awestruck because he realized he hadn't been living in accordance to the value of what he had. He did not live to the value of what he had because he did not understand its value. So he began then to live a little differently, right? Do you go home with the Declaration of Independence and roll it up and throw it in your closet again? No, because he understood the value of what he had. He put it in an airtight container. He begins to go get an insurance policy on it. He begins to make sure that this thing is going to be protected in a safe lockbox. And the best illustration I have of why it's the best illustration for worship is because the psalmist is calling us to do the same thing that this appraiser and this owner is doing. It starts with realizing what you got. And when you see and you realize with your mind, it moves into your heart and you begin, your emotions are able to move you to action. You know, the very English word for worship is the word worth-ship. Worth-ship. Worship is to see God for his worth, to respond to that worth in such a way that you begin to live in accordance to it. You see, I want you to hear this today, y'all. Don't check out. It's important to realize that there are probably people even in this room right now. You're in this room right now, and you have said, um, 
You have handled God like this man handled this parchment paper. You completely are unaffected and unaware of the value of what is being offered to you and what you have. You know, the difference in life between limping along and actually living a transformed life of joy and celebration, it's not believing that there's a God. We focus so much on believing. Do you believe in God? 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 Do you believe in him? It's not believing. Even the demons believe in Jesus Christ, it says in Scripture. The difference is worship. It's worship. It's understanding the value. See, when you worship, you engage your heart, your emotions, your head, your mind, and then it begins to move into your hands, your obedience. Do you know how much that man sold the Declaration of Independence for? He took that $2.48 parchment paper and sold it for $477,000. Are you holding $477,000 today and treating it like $2.48? That's the question I have. God wants you to see him for who he is, and it should move you. You're like, Nick, I'm, I'm not an emotional person. That's not true. The Psalms tell us otherwise. If I brought you a million dollars today and handed it to you, you would not sit there and go, oh, thank you very much. See you later. No, you wouldn't. You would be moved to emotion. So maybe there's a routine. Maybe there's a monotony that has happened in your life, and today we're praying that God shakes that up. I'm praying that God begins to move in your mind and to your heart and then ultimately to your hands. Check this out. Verse 6. We'll finish on this last verse here. It says, Oh, come. An invitation again. Let us worship him and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture. We're the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You see, when you move from your mind into your heart and your emotions, it should move your will. It should move you to bow down on your knees and to worship God. And that's what the writer is saying here today. You see, he's saying you belong to him. You're his sheep. You're part of his pasture. You were bought with a price. And since he's our God and he made you, worship him bow down to him. Mark 12 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. There it is. Love the Lord, the God, your heart, with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So on one hand, you can read truth today, and you can believe it, but if in your inner being you are ravaged with emotion today, then there's something that you need to be asking today. At the very worst, you're not a Christian. At the very worst, you're not a Christian. If you're not affected or moved by who God is, at the very worst, that's the news today. But if you come in here in the same hand and you love the music and it's so good and you're weeping and you're laughing and there's so much emotional experience, but you cannot respond to the word when you leave here and your life does not change and you don't have repentance in your life and you don't turn back to God, then perhaps even there you're not worshiping. What is true of worship is that worship is a response that demands every bit of you, your mind, your emotion, and your will. So that moves us to our second point. Why should we worship God? And it's right there in verse 3. We worship him because he is a great God and a great king above all gods. Little g gods. Notice the difference here. Do you see the difference? Can you throw that back up on the screen? Do you see the difference here? God, capital G, 
little gods, G, lowercase. The writer knows that you are prone to worship something in your life. You are prone to find a God somewhere. And today, we are all worshiping a lot of little G gods in here today. And the the psalm writer knows that because you're assigning value to something else right now, you're worshiping something in your life with your mind and with your heart and with your obedience, your actions and what you're doing. This verse tells us that we're not going to be able to worship until we recognize that our heart will always worship something. And until you can pinpoint it and call it out for what it is, an idol, a little God to us, that we're never going to be moved out of it to worship the only thing that can give us the life. You see, you can worship a lot of things. Some of us, we, we worship food. We worship alcohol. We worship sex. We worship our house. We worship our job. We worship money. And these things began to move us. But you know, God actually created that drink and that food and that sex to glorify him and not to terminate on itself. When it terminates on itself, when you love drink and food and sex to the end of just drink, food, and sex, it terminates on itself. Rather than it's meant to be a mirror. You're meant to take a bite of that steak and go, God, you are good. I'm going to praise you today. There's a good steak here, Ruth Chris. I like it. You're meant to actually have a drink. It's okay to have a drink. You're okay to have a drink. Can I say that from stage today? Is it weird? Maybe you don't need to be having drinks around certain people because they can't have a drink. Maybe you need to live above reproach and care for them more than you care for that drink. But you can actually have that drink and go, God, you are good. I teach college guys this all the time. I'm trying to show them and tell them. You don't have to abuse it because what you're doing is you're worshiping the gift rather than the giver of the gift. And God wants you to worship. He he tells us how to operate in sex. He gives us these boundaries. And he says, look, it's not for me trying to take something from you. I'm actually trying to give you more. I'm actually wanting to show you there's more joy in it. And if you would, that it's meant for you to, to have and partake in and to worship me in it. You see, this is what we do. We create little G gods. The question today is what is that thing that you desire most in your life? And you know how you know it? You know it because it controls your mind. It controls your heart. And it controls the way that you move and the decisions that you make. And that's the best way I can say it to you today. But it will always, anything besides God will always destroy your life if you worship it. It will steal your joy. And it is not our duty to worship God. It is the prime need of your life. We need to worship God like we need to breathe oxygen today. We need it. When you worship him with your mind and your heart and your obedience, it's freedom. It brings you ultimate joy. God is a megalomaniac. He's all about himself because he's the only one who can be about himself for somebody else's sake. He knows that when you make much of him, you will find the joy and the freedom and the life that you need, the freedom that he wants to give you today. So that brings the last question, then how do we do it? Well, there's two ways. You can do it privately, and you're called to have a private worship life where nobody sees and nobody walks with you on a day-to-day basis, and you're called to do it corporately with us. And I promise you this, the one that gets forsaken is the corporate life because we live in a culture that loves to operate alone or independent. But the reality is, is it might actually be the one that produces more in you and more joy and more freedom and worship. You see, 
Verse 1 and 2, if you just look at this real quick, we'll end right here. If you just look at this, check this out. How many times does it say the word us in this text? Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence. Let us make a joyful noise. And then it goes down again in verse 6. Oh, come, let us bow down. Let us kneel before our Lord, our God, for he is our God. You see, worship is also a community thing. It is not just a private matter. When you arrived here today, you may have arrived in a place where you did not want to worship, but you can stand in here, and when I look down here and I see my sisters and my brothers in Christ lifting their hands and singing to the top of their lungs, I'm reminded again, God is good. Life is difficult, I'm feeling it right now, but God is good, and I can worship him, and I look at my brother Osagi and the joy that he has, and that brother lifts me, and one day he's gonna need to walk in here and he's going to look at my brother Brandon, and he's going to need to see him worshiping, and he's going to be reminded that God is good. Ephesians 5 actually tells us don't just sing to God. It literally says sing to each other songs of joy and praise, that we need your voice in here. So when you're not here, it actually affects each other. It affects the body C.S. Lewis had this great story where he talked about his friends, J.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings. And he says uh, they had this friend, they called, uh, C.S. called him Ronald, by the way, J.R. Tolkien. And they had another friend named Charles. And he said he wrote that after Charles died that he thought that he would get Ronald all to himself. He was kind of like, you know, sad, but he was also like, well, now I get more time with, 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 with Ronald. But he says this, it's not going to be on the screen, I apologize. Um, the Lord brought this to mind this morning, so I, I threw it in last minute. But he said this, he says, in each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. I, by myself, am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all of his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never see again Ronald's reaction to a Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I actually have less of Ronald. And what he's saying today is I need you and you need me. That when I'm with Caleb, that when I'm with Caleb, more of Caleb comes out. We see more of him. Luke can see more of him. When I'm with Luke, you can begin to see more of who Caleb is, that you cannot see the full person. You cannot be fully known apart from community. You need each other. We need each other. So God calls us to come worship with mind, emotion, with heart, and with will together because it encourages and it lifts together. So we're called. How do we worship? We worship privately in our own life, and we worship corporately together. Why do we sing today? We sing today because the only, it's the greatest news in the world. You didn't pick up the headline this morning and read the headline of the Austin American Statesman and go, gather together today and sing about new tax funding. Can't wait. I'm singing today for MLK is getting repaired finally. Praise God. They're actually finishing the I-35. We might actually sing for that, right? We didn't sing that headline. We're singing today with our mind and our heart and our emotions and our will because Jesus Christ died for you. You could not live to the standard that he had set for you as his creation, that he made you the giver of gifts, gave you the gift of life, and you told him, I don't need you. And you walked your own way. 
And we sing today because that God, as we walked our own way, came right towards us. And we took two steps forward. He was three steps in front. And he turned to us. And he pulled you, I need you to hear this today, he pulled you out of the muck and the mire and the hopelessness of your life and he sets you on a foundation that is sure and steadfast. It is a rock of salvation. And he says nothing will change it now. Nothing will separate you from me because of what I did. I lived the perfect life you could not live, and then I imparted it to you by your faith into me. It is a gift to you. Now he says, worship me. Follow me. Jesus is the one who gave us his mind. Jesus is the one who gave us his heart. He didn't just do it from a distance. He came down to earth. He touched the leper. He's close and personal. And Jesus did it in the garden with his obedience. He says this in the garden. We'll end on this verse right here. Luke 22, it says, he came out, verse 39, and he went. And as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when they came to the place, he said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven that strengthened him. I love this picture of Jesus who gave us his mind, who gives us his heart, and who gives us his obedience so that we could be set free. The question that I want to end to you today, when's the last time you knelt down? When's the last time you worship God for who he is? Is it today, maybe? I know how it is getting over here in the morning. <laughs> it's hard. Was it this week? Was it last week? I know that feels heavy. It feels like there's some tension in that question. But I ask you that because I want your joy, and we want your freedom and your satisfaction. And God calls you. He asks you today, when's the last time you were on your knees before me and you wondered and marveled at who I am? When's the last time that happened? We're going to enter, uh, the band's going to come up here. And we're going to enter into a, just a time of response. And uh, normally we just stand up here and we start singing at the top of our lungs again. And we'll do that. We'll get to worship him again. But I actually just want to give you an opportunity just for a minute. We'll have communion on each side. One, two, three, four tables. There's a, another one over there that's gluten-free in the back and another one in this window. We're going to partake in the, the body and the life and remembering Jesus' obedience to us. But before we do that, we're just going to ask God, Lord, what part of my worship do you, do you desire from me? Is it my emotions? Is, do I need to ask some questions about why I'm not affected by you anymore? Is it, my, is it my will? Is it my obedience that I'm not responding, that I'm hearing these pastors talk every week, but I'm not responding I'm reading the word, and my friends are calling me, and they're showing me things, but I'm not turning. Or is it my intellect? Maybe I, I don't really sit with you. I don't dive in deep with you. I just want you to spend a few minutes on that. And then just ask the Lord, when's the last time that I worshiped you? And just come back to him today. This is the beautiful thing. Hear me. He doesn't leave. He doesn't depart from you. 
Even when we have departed from him, he doesn't do it. He's here, friend. Even when you don't worship him because there's other things that matter more in your life, he gets it. He offers forgiveness again today. And he says, come back to me. Come to me. Let's hit the reset button again today. This is the cross of Christ. It's how beautiful that he is. Let's spend a few minutes. Let's just ask the spirit of God to work and then we'll worship together.